Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is Reverend Rosemary with you. Thanking God again for this wonderful opportunity that we have to meet around the table of his word. We will open our study with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this time of study. Lord, whatever we need to be done in our lives, we know that nothing is too hard for you. So we submit to you, to your lordship, as we thank you for your ministry to each one that will meet us at our point of need. Lord, we pray that as we study about the spiritual implications of hope being the anchor of our soul, that we will be encouraged to commit ourselves totally, O oh Lord, and permanently to the transformation that you so desire in us. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for what you've already done, what you continue to do as you draw us closer to you and what we you are yet to do, that your name may be glorified in us and through us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, today we are studying about hope and anchor of the soul. You know, it is crucial for us to understand the importance of having hope. Some believers think that faith is all that we need and that hope is really not necessary. So we tend to boast in the power of faith while minimizing the value of hope. If we read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13, we will see that this verse states that now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but that the greatest of these is charity. However, uh, most people just focus on just faith and uh, charity or love is another word for charity. And they neglect to understand the importance of hope. Notice again that 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13 says that there abides those three. So God has given us these three, faith, hope, and charity. Hallelujah. And therefore, we are not to neglect any of these, although it says that charity or hope is the greatest. You know, in um, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, we are told that now faith is the substance of the things hoped for. Amen. So as much as faith is in the now, hope must also be now. So we must always have faith and hope. Amen. Because faith is the substance of the things hoped for. Amen. So without having a living hope in God, our faith is meaningless. You know, indeed, the first stage of transformation in any area of life, it is the awakening of hope. So like love and faith, it's important for us to understand that hope is a force, amen, and that it is more powerful than many realize. The Bible calls God the God of hope. Romans chapter 15 and verse 13 tells us so. I'm reading that verse. It states, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace 
in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So I stress again that um, that verse starts with the word now, just like Hebrews 11.1 1 starts with the word now. Amen. Now we must have hope. Now our heart and mind should be filled with hope. Amen. Hope is not just tomorrow. We are not waiting for tomorrow to have hope. Now we must have hope in our tomorrow. It is the hope that we have now that gives birth to this hope that God has deposited in our heart. Amen. Uh, notice that in Romans 15, 13, along with giving us hope, the Holy Spirit, we are told, fills us with all joy and peace in believing, meaning when we believe and receive God's word. Amen. And the purpose of that is that it's so that we can abound in hope. Amen. Um, uh, first of all, let me go ahead and uh, focus a little bit on, um, you know, the, the peace and joy. And then I will go back and speak about the hope. But let's understand that all peace, joy, and hope are spiritual forces. Amen. They are stabilizing forces that work together to accomplish the things in us that establish us in God's plan and purposes for our lives. Amen. So again, looking at Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, we note that this passage has four points that I said that I would like to underscore. And I will deal with peace and joy first. Amen. Um, but let me first note that, as we already noted, God is called the God of hope. Amen. Uh, God is good and only gives us good things. Therefore, hope is good. Amen. Uh, secondly, we see in that verse that God fills us. Amen. May the God of hope fill you, it says. Amen. So uh, with peace and joy in believing. Uh, so God is a God who fills us. He does not give us uh, a small amount of hope, but he fills us, which is an indication that hope is a necessity in life, that we must have it in abundance. Amen. And also we note that God fills us with peace, which is another uh, spiritual force as I mentioned, that brings stability and rest to our life. I'm sure that we, we all have a, a sense or knowledge of the fact that we cannot function without peace. No, no one actually likes to live in turmoil. Amen. Um, and when we speak about peace, we, you know, we, we are referring to, um, number one, spiritual peace. Amen. Which is having peace with God in our spirit, uh, which is what we acquire when we become reconciled to God through the new birth. Amen. And then we also have God wants us to have the, his peace in our mind as we go about our everyday life, encountering uh, different situations and challenges. Amen. So, we see here when we talk about spiritual peace that we, we have the peace.
peace with God, amen, and then also the peace of God. And, you know, the, God's word uh, instructs us how to walk in peace. Um, for lack of time, we will not turn to that passage, but you can read Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, where, you know, we are instructed how to have peace, particularly in trying times. Amen. And um, God has made that peace. He lets us know that that peace has is made available to us through the knowledge of his word, where we find all of his promises. Amen. Um, and through his spirit of grace, who is at work in us. Amen. The same spirit of grace, we are told in Philippians 2 and verse 13, works in us and causes us to be willing and able to do God's good pleasure. And when we do that, we are able not only to, you know, have, have the peace of, of God, hallelujah, but we are able to keep that peace. Amen. So we see that, um, you know, having God's peace prevents us from being anxious. It keeps us at rest in the midst of the storms of life. Amen. And, you know, it teaches us how to focus on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. So this is the purpose for which, you know, we are given peace, peace with God and the peace of God. Amen. Now, um, again, as we look into Philippians 15, 13, that the God of hope fills us with all peace and joy. Hallelujah. So another spiritual force is, that the Holy Spirit fills us with is joy. Uh, this force is, uh, the spiritual force is connected to our strength. You know, Nehemiah in, um, in chapter 8 um, so the book of Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10 tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. We need joy in the inside so that we can be strong in the inside. Amen. If joy is strength, amen, then, then uh, it stands that in order to be strong, we need the joy of the Lord. And notice that it is the joy of the Lord. It's not joy that is fabricated in this world. Amen. God is a joyful God. And whatever he gives us, amen, comes from him. We have an impartation of God in, inside of us. And that impartation is joy and keeps us strong. Uh, notice uh, what Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 10 says about those who quit and give up and are defeated in life's battles. I'm going to read that passage, Proverbs 24 and verse 10. It says, if thou faint in the day of adversity, that thy strength is small. Amen. So we see here that in order not to be defeated in the battles that we face, in everyday life that we have to be strong. Amen. And so it's essential for us to want to have not only peace, but joy that makes us strong. And, you know, this is where our faith is connected to our hope in that 
if we have well seen with our eyes of faith, in other words, if we have a revelation about what God is revealing to us, about God's promise to us, then we are full of hope. And with hope comes joy, comes excitement, and we are motivated to press forward. Amen. So we are filled with inner strength. And this keeps us from becoming weary, knowing that what God has revealed in, in, in our spirit will cause us to move ahead in life. It will overcome whatever problems that we may be facing, whatever the, that issue might be, that God has it under control and that you know we will come to that good place that he has appointed for us. Um, in 1 John 5 and verse 4, we are told that whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Amen. So God does all of that. He gives, gives us the spiritual forces to cause us to abound in hope and to be strong. And, you know, the purpose, um, you know, of filling us, we see here with peace and joy, it's so that God can keep hope overflowing in us. Amen. Not to be full, but to overflow with hope because whatever is born of God, which is our faith that is born of God, our joy is born of God, our peace is born of God. Hallelujah. Whatever is born of God energizes us, makes us strong so that we can be weary. I mean, so we will not be weary and we will not faint and we will not give up. Amen. Uh, we are told to not be weary in well-doing. Amen. And we are promised that in due season, we will reap if we do not faint. Well, if that becomes our hope, if this scripture, which is taken from Galatians 6 and verse 9, becomes you know, our vision that in well-doing, that because we are doing well, that we will reap, then that vision, that picture of reaping, amen, will cause us to stand strong and not to faint, amen. In other words, we are called, you know, to always be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And God wants us as such because he knows that we are living in a world where everything is contrary to him, amen. Uh, the enemy will do his very best to cause uh, failure in our lives. Um, John 10.10 says that Satan has come but uh, to do three things, steal, kill, and destroy. And so God, knowing that, has given us the means to be strong in him and in the power of his might so that if we want to win, amen, we will know how to be strong inwardly first, amen. And... Uh, that strength will flow out from our inner man with actions, with words in our mouth, with the word of God on one hand and the anointing of God on, on the other to subdue everything that is contrary to God's will and plan for our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. And so God gives us hope. He gives us peace. He gives us joy. Amen. Uh, so that we can be strong. Uh, look at what the Bible says um, concerning 
on Abraham, actually. Amen. And all those who followed, not just Abraham, but all those who, um, you know, followed him and took hold of his promises and chose not to give up. Uh, It's stated in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, where we are told, it says, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Amen. Uh, So what are they referring to here? That we are to show the same diligence, meaning the diligence of those who have gone ahead of us to show that same diligence. Um, And what did they do? They were full of the assurance of hope unto the end. In other words, they kept up with hope. Amen. They held on to hope and refused to let it go until the they saw the end. In other words, the manifestation of that promise. So let's go on and read verse 12. It says, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Amen. So these people were strong because they held on to their, their hope. Amen. And hope with joy, with peace generated so much strength in them that through the faith, exercising their faith and patience, they were able to come to the end of that road and see the manifestation of the promise that God had given them. Um, so, so we see that you know God wants us, again, to abound in hope, that is to have it in abundance, um, to have it to the overflow. We have seen that in Hebrews 1, I'm sorry, Hebrews 11, 1, that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, for the evidence of things not seen. Amen. So as we break it down further, we can say that faith is the substance of things that hope has envisioned. So hope is a necessity. Amen. Uh, We don't get anything by hoping or wishing the you know the way the world does um, because there is really no substance um, in that kind of hope. It's more like a wish. The world wishes, however, they'll use the word hope. But biblical, true biblical hope is a very important uh, partner to faith in that hope is the goal setter. Amen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, amen, of things that hope has envisioned. Therefore, hope is the goal setter, amen. Uh, so faith, we, are see, we see, becomes the substance of those things that have been envisioned. And therefore, faith uh, who is of the, that is of the heart, amen, is what hope is to the mind. So faith resides in our heart, amen? And hope resides in our mind. I would like uh, for us to look at a passage. Again, um, we are looking into Hebrews uh, chapter six, and I'm going to read uh, verses 17 to 20, amen? Um, And I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Classic Version. 
Hebrews 6, verses 17 to 20. Accordingly, God also, in his desire to show more convincingly and beyond doubt to those who were to inherit the promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose and plan, he intervened, he mediated with an oath. This was so that by two unchangeable things, that is his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God ever to prove false or deceive us, we who have fled to him for refuge might have mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and hold fast the hope appointed for us and set before us. Now we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It cannot slip, it cannot break down under whoever steps out upon it. It is a hope that reaches farther and enter into the very certainty of the presence within the veil where Jesus has entered in for us in advance, a forerunner having become a high priest forever after the order with the rank of Melchizedek. Amen. Hallelujah. This is a long passage and there is a lot, I mean, in there. However, I would like to focus on the fact that we are told here in verse 18 that, you know, we have come, you know, to this place of refuge and it's a place of indwelling strength and encouragement to grasp and to hold fast the hope, amen, that is appointed for us, that is set before us. And it goes on to say in verse 19 that we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Amen. That anchor, it's sure, it cannot sleep, it cannot break down, nothing can shake it. Amen. It has gone ahead of us. And this is what we are called to grasp, to lay hold of this hope that God has set before us. It is speaking of God's will. It is speaking of God's desire, of his vision, amen, that he has set before us, which we must allow to become the anchor of our soul. Amen. Uh, when you think of anchor, of the word anchor, we usually connect it to, let's say, a ship. And an anchor is meant to hold steady a ship in a certain place and to prevent it from drifting away and from getting lost at sea. Amen. And therefore, we must settle it in our heart and mind that hope is not just desire or wish for something, that according to the Bible, it is our earnest expectation. Amen. We can find that in Romans chapter 8 and verse 19. Our earnest expectation is always birthed from God's word as the Holy Spirit reveals to us what is God's will and plan, amen, uh, either for our life or in a particular situation, amen. And this hope forms a vision in our heart and mind of what God wants to do. And it, it also comes with a sense of direction as to what to do. And not only that, but uh, God's hope 
or earnest expectation is always undergirded with his peace and causes us to rest assured that God has things under control, no matter what may be happening around us. Amen. You know, God has a way through which he reveals things which bypass, passes the natural mind. Amen. And he reveals things to our spirit by the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher and our guide. Amen. Uh, we are told in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, that uh, our eye, natural eyes have not seen, nor have our natural ears heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. He says, but God has revealed those things unto us by his spirit. Amen. So, uh, you know, it is through his spirit that God reveals to us. That's why I said that God has a way through which, you know, uh, he shows us things that bypass, which bypass the natural mind or the carnal mind. And what God reveals, we call it hope or vision. And based on what we have already uh, said in this lesson, we know that therefore that God's vision is always full of joy. It is full of excitement uh, that it keeps us steady, looking forward, staying positive and working toward that certain goal. Amen. Uh, and because of that, we could say that, you know, uh, hope is an anticipation of favorable and pleasurable things. Amen. Because it's always good. God never shows us or, you know, tells us that, you know, his plan for us is for, that we will suffer. No, it's always good. And therefore, having a vision or goal, it's so cru crucial that the Bible tells us that without vision, but the people perish. Amen. We see that in, um, this is stated in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. Without vision, people perish. Why? Because we are created to be future-oriented. We must always have a hope in, before us. Amen. And without that, then people get discouraged. Amen. They get depressed. And one thing leads to another. And you, we, we notice without hope that is always a degeneration in people's lives, which lead to destruction and sometimes even death. So we have to learn to yield. First of all, seek God. Amen. And when we have, when we hear from him, then we are to yield to his vision, to his hope, because it will give direction to our life. And it is foundational to fulfilling our goals and our dream. Amen. Our yielding to God's vision and direction. When God reveals, he always makes provision for that vision. That's why it's so essential for us to do it his way and not our way. Amen. We don't hear from God and then decide, oh, we know it all. And therefore, we just embark, uh, you know, just receiving direction from our own mind or from the world. No, it is God's vision for our lives. And so we are to follow him. Amen. And, you know, hope is not 
is just not essential to um, giving us, you know, this wonderful plan that we are going to be looking forward. However, it is most essential when even we encounter certain storms in life, when the winds of adversity seek to annihilate uh, every option and desire that we ever had in mind, and when the trials of life want to bring us, to reduce us to a place where, you know, to a survival mode. This is where hope really uh, uh, goes to work in those times. And the reason, again, why we have to do it God's way, because if we decide to embark on what may be God's vision, but we are going about, about it in our own way, then this, the, the, the power of God, amen, the peace of God, the joy of the Lord, hallelujah, will not be there to sustain us in times of trial, because every time that, you know, we are doing the will of God, we, we, we should know, you know, that the enemy is going to want to oppose us. So we have to be ready by yielding to, to God every step of the way. You know, the Apostle Paul explained what his hope was in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20. He says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, amen, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, amen. So you see, the Apostle Paul was sold out completely to what God had for him, amen. God would be magnified in him, in his body, in his ministry, whichever way, whatever challenges that he would be facing. He says, even, you know, if he were to die, he says, Christ will be magnified even then. And so having received his marching orders from God, Paul, Paul was eager to live out, you know, his earnest expectation and to fulfill God's plan for his life and ministry. So over and over, we see him walking in love, in faith, and holding on to hope when facing great trials, where sometimes even the prospects of staying alive seem somewhat bleak, but he pressed on. Amen. And uh, looking at the life of Abraham, we see that um, the, uh, what Paul did was not that, as, that different. Uh, than what Abraham had done. Obviously, they had different lives. Uh, they encountered different challenges, but they were both challenged, amen. And what they, what they did, amen, to take them through that time of trial um, and the time of uh, waiting for God to manifest uh, the, you know, the, the promise in, in fullness, Amen. They, they each had to fight a certain fight of faith, but the, 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 the principles that they followed were the same. For example, we see in Romans chapter 4 in verses 17 to 18, and this is recorded of Abraham, amen, about Abraham. And it says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, 
so shall thy seed be. Amen. What this is telling us is that when there was no natural hope because of Abraham's age and the fact that his wife, uh, Sarah, was both old and had been barren all her life, that Abraham chose to believe in the vision that God had given him. He chose to believe in hope. Amen. In other words, he hoped in faith. In other words, he hoped in the substance of the things not seen in the natural realm, but seen in the spirit realm. And it was so that he should become, live to become, in reality, the father of many nations as promised to him by God. Amen. So this is what Abraham did. And we find, we see that concerning the church, the apostle Paul, because I started by comparing and saying Paul and Abraham actually you know, they did pretty much the same thing. Well, concerning the church, Paul says that, you know, believers also at one point had no hope. He himself at one point had no hope, but this is what God did in his life. Amen. And we too can do it in our life. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12, he says, at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Amen. Though Paul was a Jew and he was of the commonwealth of Israel, amen, but he didn't have the, the real hope that we only find in Christ. Amen. And so he found Christ, he found hope. Abraham believed in God and believed in God's promises and he lived to uh, experience the manifestation of that hope. Paul, you know, locked on to what God, Christ, his encounter with Christ and the calling that he had received, amen. And despite all the challenges and the suffering, he lived to see, amen, many churches being established, uh, the world being turned uh, right side up through his preaching. Hallelujah. And so we too, we are, you know, we are told all of that so that we too can know that we had no hope, but now we do as we appropriate God's promises and we create and allow them to create a supernatural expectancy, which we call our hope. Amen. And you know, there are people today, uh, believers today, who, you know, are facing um, difficult challenges. Some have uh, received, uh, you know, terrible medical diagnosis. Uh, doctors are saying that there is nothing that they can do, that there is no hope. But what the word of God is telling us today, amen, is that in Christ, there is always hope. We must do what Abraham did, go to the word of God and get supernatural hope. Abraham decided to agree with God. And that's what we are doing when we make a decision to go to the word, to believe the word, to receive it, to speak it, amen, to ourselves. Amen. To speak it in the face of negative circumstances. Praise God. You know, we are coming over when we do that to God's point of view, 
by saying what God declared about us. Amen. And if we focus on God's word, it will always give us hope. Whatever we are facing, whether it has to do with our physical body or whether it has to do with uh, an emotional or spiritual need or even with our finances, amen. When our situation seems to be hopeless, we must go where we find hope and it is we must go to the word of God. Why? Because we must have a goal and hope is the goal setter. It will reveal God's will and God's plan and give direction. Hallelujah. And without goals, not only don't we know where we are going, we won't know how long it's going to take to get to wherever it is we think we are going. Amen. And we will not even recognize uh, whatever it is that we are aiming for. If it's not true hope, we will not recognize when we get there. Amen. So again, faith is the substance of things hoped for. There must be some direction of faith. I mean, direction for faith to flow. Amen. Um, there must be something for faith to fulfill. And hope sets the direction. And faith, what faith does is give the energy substance that flows through it. Amen. So we cannot just say, uh, well, I'm just waiting on God and just sit and do nothing. That's not really waiting on God. Um, you know, because when we just wait for God to do everything, because the word of God says, uh, let's say that by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed and we don't choose to do something with that word. Amen. Then we've already made a decision to do nothing and therefore nothing will happen. Good. That is good. Amen. Why? Because we have to do something with the word. When there was no hope, we are told Abraham decided to believe in hope. He made a decision to receive God's word. And he made a decision, for example, to while waiting, to be expect expectantly, to keep that vision before him and chose to follow God's direction to call himself Abraham, which means father of many nations, though naturally he still had no child yet. He still, he kept confessing the word of God over himself. But when we are sitting idly doing nothing and saying, I'm just waiting on God, we are not waiting on God really. It's actually God waiting on us to take hold of his word and to be doers of the word to follow through with the directions that hope give us, gives us, the direction that is that he, the author of our hope, will give us, amen, hallelujah. Whether it means, you know, specific actions, always coupled with confession of the word and keeping that vision always red hot burning before us. It is essential because we are an enemy who wants to steal that that promise from us. So we must keep it alive. We must keep hope alive in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So it's, you know, we, we must not try to um, use faith where, there sh where hope should be and vice versa. That is not try to use hope where faith should be because hope in itself has no substance. It is faith that gives substance to the things that are hopeful. So let's make sure that there, are all, there is always faith and and hope because they are partners and they go together. Amen. We must learn how to sow the seeds of God's word 
Uh, because, you know, the word is a seed. Words are seeds. Jesus taught us that our heart is a production center. In other words, it is a soil where things are conceived, where things grow, where they develop, where they reproduce. Amen. And when we believe and we speak the word of God, we speak his promises into our heart, then the word or these promises that are contained in his word will spring forth and grow up. Amen. Uh, you know, in the parable of the sower, in the book of Mark, chapter 4, uh, we read in verse 28 that the earth produces by itself. Uh, in other words, it acts by itself. Uh, first, it explains the process. It produces the blade and then the ear, then the full grain that is in the ear. Amen. Hallelujah. So there is a process. Amen. Uh, we see that from this production center, which is our heart, amen, and it is compared to a soil which produces by itself. When things are conceived, they grow and they reproduce. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, you know, I would like for a moment to look at the account of the Israelites um, after their miraculous deliverance from Egypt. And uh, I'm doing that to show the importance of what having hope um, will do in, in, in our lives. Amen. Um, what happened there to the Egyptians after they were delivered from Egypt? We see that they immediately journeyed toward what God had told them would be the promised land. Amen. So that vision of the promised land should have become their earnest expectancy. And we're going to see based on that account that something went wrong somewhere here uh, because they did not catch that vision. And let me go ahead and explain. You see, at the Red Sea, um, the people of, you know, the, the Israelites, they witnessed God's incredible destruction of the Egyptian army. And they rejoiced in that victory. Amen. Um, let's go ahead and read uh, if Exodus chapter 15. Uh, you know, that whole account starts in verse 1 and goes all the way to verse 21. But for time's sake, I'm just going to read the first three verses of Exodus 15. So starting with verse 1, Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider, or its chariot, he has thrown in the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Amen. So we see here that the after crossing the Red Sea, um, the Israelites were singing a song of victory. Amen. And um, so they go on in their journey towards the promised land. And three days after they had crossed the Red Sea, they had covered some about um, 40 miles. Amen. However, something happened. They realized quickly that they had not progressed 
40 miles. They had traveled 40 miles, but they had not pro progressed towards their destination, 40 miles. They had progressed only about 12 miles from where they had started. Why? Because they saw that they had been going in circles. Amen. And then to make matters worse, the Israelites uh, came to a place where they ran out of water. They had exhausted their water supply and you know the, the water that they had brought with them in just three days. And those three days were all that you know, was necessary for them to grow from a place where they were uh, praising God, as we just saw in verses one to three, to a place of total despair. So they descended from the heights of praise to the depth of despair. And then as they got into that place of discouragement and despair, they spotted a body of water and rushed towards it and began drinking it only to find that the water was bitter. The water was undrinkable. And in that same chapter, uh, Exodus 15, listen to what verses 23 and 24, what these verses say. And when they came to Mara, that is the location where this water was, they could not drink of the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? Notice that the very same people who just days earlier had rejoiced in the Lord's glory, amen, were now complaining and murmuring against him. Yes, he does say that they complain against Moses. However, we have to understand that complaining against Moses was in fact speaking against God because they knew that Moses was God's messenger, amen, and that everything that had issued uh, from the time Moses had shown up in Egypt, I mean, to come to rest, you know, get them out of Egypt until now, there was God, uh, God's communication to uh, Moses that directed the whole thing. So murmuring against Moses was murmuring against God. And, you know, these people had seen uh, God perform awesome miracles on their behalf in Egypt. God had devastated Egypt with plagues. Then the greatest miracle ever witnessed by men when God opened a dry road in the middle of the Red Sea. Uh, and also another great miracle, I believe, is how God removed all sense of reason from the Egyptian army uh, as they rushed towards these great walls of water, which swallowed them up and, you know, where they all drowned. I mean, people who, who had, you know, who possessed their senses would know I, there is no way I can go through these waters. God had opened, you know, this dry road for the Israelites, but God is closing these waters. So there is no way that we can go through that. So, but they went, they ventured anyway. So again, that shows us how God had intervened on their behalf every step of the way. And the Israelites themselves, they knew how defenseless they had been against you know, the, 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 these powerful Egyptians and how still they successfully escaped Egypt and survived without a single casualty. And yet they murmured and complained. And so the question is, how could any Israeli ever doubt God again after witnessing such miracle? Amen. And this is why I say something had gone wrong. This is, I believe, because as they grew third, thirsty, in the desert, they forgot about God's awesome miracles on their behalf. They became self-focused 
rather than God focused. They walked in the flesh, which causes confusion, which causes forgetfulness. Amen. And because of that, of the fact that they forgot in such a quick time, those three days were sufficient for them to start doubting God. Amen. And how is this connected to us, to Christians today? Well, many of us, I'm sure, have experienced miraculous wonders of God's delivering power. But then um, an issue rises up and we start struggling with doubt over whether or not God cares about us anymore or whether or not he's going to keep his promises. And this is because we have not developed an intimate knowledge of our heavenly father, of his love and of his character. And this is why so many believers are running all over the world, rushing here and there, looking for signs and miracles and deliverance everywhere. Um, They are trying to get to know God through supernatural works and wonders. But, you know, nobody gets truly to know God that way. The apostle Paul tells us in no uncertain way that faith does not come by witnessing supernatural works and miracles, but that faith comes through God's word. Romans 10 and verse 17 spells it very clearly. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. So going back to the Israelites, the Bible says to us in Psalm 103, uh, that God made, I believe it's on verse seven or so, it says, God made known his ways unto Moses and his acts unto the children of Israel. Amen. Notice that the Israelites, they saw God's work, works, which is wonderful because they, they, they experienced these miracles of deliverance. But yet it was Moses who personally knew God's ways. Mo- Moses was the one with, you know, God had an encounter with, And Moses had a revelation of God and he knew his character. And therefore he believed what God had told him. Going to the promised land, um, bringing the people out of Egypt to take them to the promised land had become an earnest expectation that Moses knew would come to pass for these people, that they would enter into the promised land. So Moses had mixed both faith and hope. He knew that God would be with the people on their journey and safely take them to the promised land. On the other hand, the children of Israel, they had seen God's miracles and they had heard of God's plan to take them there and they rejoiced. But that hearing was a natural hearing. It was a head knowledge of God's promises, but it was not mixed with real faith. And therefore there was no real hope. There was no real knowledge of God. And therefore, at the first challenge, they and that was the very first challenge after crossing the Red Sea, they had already forgotten not just God's promise, but also all that they had witnessed of God's greatness and goodness towards them. Bottom line, they didn't catch the vision. And what was God's vision? God was building a nation, a people who would be his, a people who would be blessed beyond measure who would be a demonstration to the world of the one and true God, hallelujah, and through whom whom the whole world would be blessed because God would bring the Messiah from from, from the people, amen. But the people didn't catch the vision. And at the slightest challenge, 
they murmured, they complained, they thought that God had abandoned them, that they were going to die. So none of the Israelites had a true expectation that God would make good on his promise to take them there, except for two who had understood, who had believed God and latched on to that hope. And those two were Caleb and Joshua. And God said, because these two had a different spirit about them, that they would not only enter into the promised land, but that they would dwell in it, in it and that their generation would live to enjoy that land. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So considering the miracles that God had done for the Israelites, you know, it would have been um, very easy for him to not only, uh, you know, make those waters, um, you know, good for drinking, but also he could have chosen another way to take them there. Amen. But he had them circling around. And after three days, he brought them to that place, a place called Mara. You know, the... In Hebrew, the, the, the meaning of that word in Hebrew means corruption of bitterness. Amen. And so we wonder whether or not God had a specific purpose for doing that. Could it be that he had brought the people there to deal with them, to bring a certain inner transformation in them? We saw that the Israelites uh, started murmuring and complaining, but we also realized that this is not something that just happens suddenly, that a whole people would start, you know, enter into that uh, mode uh, of action or have, have that behavior suddenly, amen, unless it was already in them. Um, so therefore, could it be that, uh, you know, the, the murmuring aspect of their uh, attitude, amen, uh, didn't start at Mara? but was a reflection of the bitterness that they had in their heart, which started way back in Egypt during those years of slavery, that something, a spirit of bitterness had spread through Israel. Amen. And God was putting a finger on it and saying that this needs to be dealt with right now. God had, was taking them to make them a great nation, but this particular sin in their life needed to be dealt with immediately. Amen. So could it be that God, that the first place that God take, took them was this pool of bitterness, and he would use the bitter waters of Mara as a mirror to reveal what, what was the conditions, the condition of the people's heart. You see, when they got to that pool of water, they all ran to the water and bent down and put their face in there to you know, to drink the water. Amen. And usually we know that when we are looking at a body of water and we put our face in it or close to it, that we see a reflection of ourselves. Amen. And so could it be that the Lord wanted for them as they looked into this um, poisonous pool of water, that they would catch a reflection of their own embittered soul. So you know, just try to imagine that sin there at Mara, as the people tasted and spewed out this bitter water. Um, they, they, they probably got confused and tried to figure out, you know, why God's blessing and favor had disappeared from them so quickly. And because they were operating in that state of mind, they were unable to master the right spirit, the spirit of thankfulness, 
to continue to praise God and worship him and trust him that he would deliver them. So all their focus was on their natural desire for water. And in reality, they were unable to quench their thirst, both physically and spiritually, no matter how hard they tried. Why? Because the spirit of bitterness does exactly this very thing to people, causes them to become confused, to become angry and bitter. And so it, it brings on confusion. It, people start feeling a sense of, dis, of God's disfavor, of hopelessness. And therefore, there is an, an inability to be thankful and to worship God. And I do believe that this was God's way of warning his people then, that is the Israelis then, and for us, because scriptures are given to us, amen, for example, that we may learn of them. Hallelujah. And this is given to us now so that we can know of the consequences of what a bitter heart will do to someone. So again, as born again believers, we must endeavor to walk in faith, in righteousness, in holiness and love. And we must not be part of such who focus on how bad things are. And as people who have no hope, God has given us in his word all that we need. We must catch the God's vision by going into his word and learn how to keep our hope alive no matter what, or no matter how long the conflict you know, has been going on. And the way we think is the way our life is going to go. The Bible says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so we have the ability to think positively through God's word that we take and believe and act upon. Amen. We have the ability to control our thoughts rather than letting the enemy manipulate us into thinking negatively. So let's keep in mind that there are doors, spiritual doors, when we open them in our lives, that these doors lead to hopelessness, to fear, and to depression. For example, such a, a door is when we lust after the things of this world. The Bible says that lusting makes us the friend of the world and an enemy of God. Hallelujah. This is stated in James chapter 4 and verse 4. So we must be people who know the word of God and who know the heart of God and stand in faith, in hope, and in prayer until we experience the fulfillment of God's promises. Hallelujah. And in closing, let me say that... Um, as the natural world that we live in is permeated with fear and bad news, the God of hope, meaning the God of future good, good things that he wants to bring into our life, that he will show himself strong and mighty on behalf of the righteous. So let the righteous be righteous still, as the word of God says. Let us shut off all the negative things that are grabbing at us. You know, as Luke uh, in the book of Luke, verse chapter 21 and verse 26 tells us that people's hearts would fail them for fear, looking at the things that are happening on the earth. We have been given all that we need for life and godliness. Hallelujah, as God people. And we don't want the unbelief of this world to extinguish our hope. So let us purpose to stay in God's word and let it dominate us. Let us return to our first love. Hallelujah. Our first love is Jesus Christ, and he is our spiritual head. 
and his perfected love in us will cast out all fear. Amen. You know, hopelessness is the fear of the unknown, unknown future events and unknown if there is anything good that is going to happen. But God, hallelujah, has made it possible for us to know the future through our faith in the God of hope, through his unchangeable promises. We have proof all around us that the arm of flesh will fail and has failed. Amen. So our trust and hope must be in him who cannot fail, in him whose resurrection power will always prevail. Let us know that God's time to favor his people has come. And he, the God of hope, is waiting for our arrival at this glorious place that he himself has prepared for us. And that place is full of his godly interventions and godly possibilities. And so let our response be yes. Yes, Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your visitation today, for your word and power released to help us to keep our faith and hope active so that we will walk in the blessings that you have prepared for us and purchased for us through the finished work of the cross. Father, we thank you that you will never fail or disappoint us. We stand in faith knowing that our hope will surely manifest and it shall be as you have promised in every area of our lives as we keep our eyes on you, Lord Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And it will be to your glory and for our rejoicing. Lord, we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we think or ask for, according to the power that works in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I pray that this study has been a blessing to you. We invite you to come back again next week and continue with us in this wonderful time of study of the word of God. God bless you and God keep you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good night.